everyone, and thank you for being here. My name is Laura, and I am co-hosting this episode with Dodi. You might have heard the recent news about the earthquakes that hit the border between Turkey and Syria. The team at Cairo Calling decided to host two conversations with Francesca and Ina, two friends who are based in Gaziantep, a city almost at the epicenter of the earthquake. This episode features one of those conversations where Dodi and I talk to Francesca. She shares about her work to support Syrian women and girls in the aftermath of the earthquake, about her coping mechanisms to remain sane and healthy, and the ways she found hope in these challenging conditions. I hope you will enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Welcome to Cairo Calling. Um, first of all, what uh, maybe we can explain what bring you to, what brought you to Gaziantep? Because okay, we we met in Cairo. We are here because uh, the three of us met in Cairo, and uh, we are both Italian. We shared an apartment in Cairo, and uh, and then at some point, what I mean, you started a career in emergency, and you traveled in several to several countries. And now you are something brought you to Gaziantep. So what is it that you do? Maybe you can tell us just a bit uh, what is it that you are doing in Gaziantep and why you are there. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. So yeah, arriving Gaziantep in December um, to start my new appointment with the with the UN agency, and before I was in Iraq. And before I was in Nigeria, and before I was in Egypt, where I met you guys, I've been um, in a few places in the past few years working in emergency. And I was ready to take this assignment and settle for a couple of years in a duty station that is um, <laughs> that is a duty station working for Northwest Syria remotely because. Um, it's an area um, controlled by the uh, by the, the by the rebels, where the access is very limited. So I was ready to have a very kind of peaceful assignment. Okay. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And then the earthquake happened, and so I found myself working in the um, in the immediate response for the earthquake in northwest Syria. Um, now the access to 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 so this area is easier, um, thankfully, um, because obviously of the necessity to go there and to, to have a faster and faster way to go to the affected areas. Um, and so, so this is pretty much what I'm doing. And so then, as I was telling you guys, um, from Gaziantep is where the response for, uh, Turkey starts, the, the earthquake response for the country and also the, the response for Northwest Syria. So it's, uh, it's a city that is relatively calm. It's not a famous, uh, um, party or <laughs> city station is a relatively small town um, uh, where um, throughout the years, in the 11 years of the Syrian crisis, there has been a huge influx of uh, Syrian refugees. So um, 
for that reason is um is, let's say it has been strategic you know in the in the past the past years and so what what how did you um, so you were ready to uh get a calmer assignment you said no in a more uh, quiet mm -hmm. duty station but then when uh, the earthquake hit you were uh, starting to tell us how did you feel like you fe uh, what what was the first impression and uh your first reaction maybe i uh... Yeah, so the, the earthquake happened in the night. So it woke us, it woke everyone, everyone up, right? And this reaction is um, checking on the others. I mean, mm. I did go out of the, of the apartment. Um, I went out still when it was shaking, which I learned um, to mm. be not the most appropriate thing. <laughs> so uh, even though you take those, Forces on emergencies, crisis situation, you have the earthquake scenario, you know, that you should not be moving uh, until it stops shaking. Um, then you're just in that moment and you just think, okay, I have to run for my life. What is going on? Let me get out. Um, and also because I was alone, right? I was alone in my apartment, I live alone. And I, I just felt like, okay, wait, I, I need to, 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 to check also with the others. So, um, first reaction with me, for me was, um, to check with the other people around. <clears throat> Everyone was doing well, um, how they were feeling. So, um, I was checking on the, uh, on the few people I know here. So, I sincerely continued. Um, there was so many people in the street. Um, everyone ran away. Um, um, and then we started realizing slowly, slowly how, um, how strong it was because, um, I remember a screenshot started circulating in this, um, WhatsApp group that we have with some other people here. And the screenshot said that the happy center was in Gaziantep and that, um, the magnitude was very high. And, um, and then, yeah. Then, uh, then <laughs> moment of uncertainty started because, yeah, um, start saying, okay, I cannot go out and I cannot go back. Um, it was super cold, uh, raining, snowing. So, um, so yeah, and for me, I live in a building where there are no other foreigners. So um, I was trying to interact with my neighbors. Um, which don't speak English, um, except then one guy, uh, started speaking to me. He's mm. like, spoke a little bit of English and, um, and, uh, everyone started going into somebody's car just to get some, Safe. some, uh, <laughs> some, yeah, some, you know, warmth because it was super cold. Yeah. I have to be honest. I also have moments of, <laughs> Like, and like, you know, that time passed so quickly and so many exchanges, checking on everyone. So, um, kind of had blurred memories with it. <laughs> so, what time was it? I mean, like, so when you got out, when you ran out, I mean, like, was it still dark? It was, it was snowing, no? Yeah, it was four. I think it was 
4.17, so it was very early in the morning. It was dark. And, and indeed, I mean, I spent two hours outside in the, in the cold before entering in somebody's car. Mm-hmm. And I spent two hours just talking to people on the phone, reassuring each other. Also, what happened to me, because I was in Iraq before, I started receiving many messages and calls from friends in Iraq because they felt it very strong there as well. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Lebanon as well. And actually also a former colleague of mine in, uh, in Egypt wrote to me because she, she felt it. Uh, Dodi, did you feel it? No. Huh? No. But I just woke up early and then no. I saw the news and I, mm-hmm. holy so, shit. Yeah. 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 Mm. Mm. Right. And then no, actually also another thing that I immediately thought was, okay, I have to inform my family when I started seeing how uh, the magnitude was, uh, was uh, that high. I said, okay, no, I need to send them mm. a message because they're going to wake up tomorrow. They're going to see that, right? Yeah. Um, so I sent a message and I said, there was an earthquake. I'm okay. You're going to see this in the news. I'm fine. I'm in a safe place. So it's also when you wake up. Um um, because yeah, so the, the, um, the, the images then started coming, right? Um, yeah. Being an Italian family, I imagine it's not easy to reassure <laughs> them. So what was the reaction? <laughs> what did your mom um, <laughs> No, but, um, okay. So not only my parents, but everyone was telling me, so when are you going to leave? Everyone was saying, when are you going to leave? And I knew pretty much from the beginning that that was not going to be an option of, for, for me soon. So, um, so it was just reassuring them because, um, uh, in it, you know, you're going to, you're going to be spending the first night in the, in the car, at least the first night in the car and um you know you're gonna be far from the buildings um you for me personally entered in the mood okay this is gonna be (laughs) uh this is gonna be a couple of days of uh (laughs) let's say um uncomfortness that kind of set up my mind and i i think telling that i was talking to the people that um wanted to hear from me and telling them I'm good, I'm safe, like that was making them feel better. But then at the same time, they were getting images. So my parents were getting more images that I would get, right? Because um, they started being very busy with the response immediately and there was no time to check on the media. Um, but instead, pictures, videos started circulating everywhere in the world. And... Um, so um others could see more than, than what I could see. Then um maybe uh, I think on day two I started having a little bit more time to, to check on the media and uh and realizing that that like what happened was horrible, especially in uh cities like Atai, because in uh in Gaziantep in the end we didn't have um, so many buildings collapsing, so we couldn't really realize. Um, but, but also you went maybe in an action mode, like you 
you got busy also well because maybe it was needed to get busy and to help yeah mm. yeah i mean you 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 enter in a mood that you have to be vigilant mm. about anything um and the aftershocks are continuously happening and they are very strong um and also you're surrounded by people that maybe are not as calm as you are so i was relatively calm mm. my colleague was relatively calm but the rest of people that were around us were not so um we started walk, walk, working from a caravan in the parking lot of our building of our the building where our office is or well I mean, we don't know if we can go back hopefully yes um but in that caravan there were there was um the cleaning lady with her family with her um kids and they were obviously under shock and um and that's when i realized um if i had a family with kids with myself um i would have reacted in a completely different way because I mean, next to you, a kid that cries, that is in distress, in emotional distress, and um, that, that influences you a lot. I mm. mean, um, so um, we were taking, like, we were going to the, to the bathroom of this caravan, <laughs> working from there, taking meetings from there, because the rest was so crowded with people that was uh, seeking refusal and were coming around. Um, what, what is a caravan? I'm not sure I, I get it fully. What do you mean by caravan? Uh, like a prefabricated uh, structure. Okay. Like a, a prefabricated structure that, uh, that, that was there usually for the drivers. Okay. The drivers would sit there, have their coffee, have their tea uh, before, um, before leaving for work. Okay, that became... <laughs> Shelter for, a shelter for, like, for a couple okay. of days. For a couple of days. For how um, many people? Uh, I can say the, like the, there was a continuous uh, rotation of people coming. Uh, also, that we saw so many faces, and then some colleagues from um, from Atai started coming in. So, and these colleagues had been um, uh, like started telling us horrible stories of what they had been through. So mm. they were, they had uh, escaped the, the hotel where they were uh, sleeping that night uh, by exiting the windows from the second floor oh, of wow. this building that has collapsed. So, uh-huh. um, so that like these people arrived and they, 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 they had some sketches and things and they were telling us the stories. Um, so we were in this environment. Um, and, uh, and you're asked to work right, as humanitarian. Um, so first thing, um, we, as I said, like we thought of taking care of our colleagues with the families because they were really in a situation of distress, mm. having small kids. Um, um, so we, we evacuated them in a, a short time, let's say, in a, in a couple of days. Um, it was not easy. Uh, the conditions of the roads had to be assessed. So 
um, we could not send away colleagues without knowing if the roads were safe, that there were major crack, um, cracks. So um, we managed to to evacuate these colleagues, and then only only two of us stayed for my office. So me and the other colleagues uh, the remained in to keep the presence and coordinate the response from the Atlantic. Um, and that I have to say that that kind of helped, right? In the moment you have um, put your, that like the people that you're kind of responsible for, because uh, the agency in that moment, you send them in a, in a safe place, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna rest. Um, then that's where, um, we have put in place the response. Mm. Um, and we could work. We could find uh, our space. We were, all, we were changing a lot of places. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, yeah. Just trying to put together the pieces because also... <laughs> yeah, because also I remember you telling me, I don't know, I feel so many things happened, but it's just been a week and it feels like a week is a month. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, having some moment to reflect on all you achieved because I think, I mean, I am, I'm admiring the fact that you are speaking a lot about how you helped others. Like the first thing you did, you checked on others and you, you were very, I mean, I don't know. I think you were very generous with your time and with your energy to 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 put it at the service of others so this is what i'm getting oh. no thank you for that but honestly i think i realized one thing um so i've been exposed to situation of threats um mm. and those and those uh in these years and i have to admit that uh what scares me the most is um violence that is perpetuated by humans so this is a natural mm. natural disaster right mm -hmm. um so really there is nothing you can do it just happens and it's devastating like the numbers of people affected the, the people that that died because of the earthquake is just huge um and you can do nothing um still with like the how scared I am instead of a massive shooter of being kidnapped or violence really perpetrated by um terrorists um um that affects me more and I have like I really am trying to understand why that um like I I can see um I say my way of reaction, like the the the, re, the reaction to that is different. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe also I've been in earthquakes before. Um, in Italy, we have we have quite but we have quite few that also were were strong. <clears throat> so maybe that's also. Yes, maybe it's nature that is something you can't, con I mean, it's not, 
I don't know. I'm, it's interesting what you are saying. That is different when it's human perpetrated versus just nature making it co its course in a way. Yeah, and also because okay, when it's when it when it's human, there mm. is an intention. There is an in, a, a, more or less a, a, the intention of really doing harm to mm. somebody. Okay. And um, that is driven by whatever reason, I mean, plenty of reasons that can be there. That scares me a lot because that's really a man, <laughs> a human doing harm to another human uh, with a, the real intention behind it. Um, <clears throat> here, I can't say it's not scary. Huh? I mean, it, it is scary. Um, um, I still can't answer this to this question. But, but maybe here the reply is more the no. Maybe here the <laughs> the reply is more the solidarity that of people instead of people against each other. Yeah, definitely. No, no, that yeah, definitely. Um, um, and indeed, there has been a lot of unity. Um, mm. there is a lot of solidarity, a lot of unity. Um, I mean, uh, everyone uh, here, everyone has lost, uh, friends, family members. So, um, it, it has been a massive tragedy for, uh, for Turkish people. So, um, everyone has been attacked and has been um, affected by it. So, I mean, you, you arrived in December. So, Jaziantep and Turkey was something that is new to you, right? I mean, like it's a new place mm -hmm. and you were still learning to adjust to the, to the city and to the job. And then this thing happened, right? That is, you know, that is huge and historic. And how did it mm -hmm. impact your relation to the space and to the people? Like in such a short time, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, well, I was here already with the idea of staying long time. Um, I had been in, a, in Turkey before, okay, so um, I had lived in Istanbul for six months. Uh, but then you can't, you can't compare Istanbul to the south of Turkey at all. You can't compare Istanbul to, to the rest of Turkey. In general, um, well, um, this this um, happened in a specific part of Turkey. So, if, if like if it like if the earthquake um, hit things with the geographic, like with this decision, like a like a uh, like a surgeon. Because mm. it hit south of Turkey and northwest Syria, so two areas that are um, very peculiar. So one of the areas that have that has been worst hit by the by the earthquake is Atay, and Atay governorate has a very interesting history uh, because this was an area that um, has always belonged to culturally to the to the Arab world. Um, so if you go to, to Atai, people speak Arabic, okay? Like 
So that, that's the first language. Um, and then you have Northwest Syria, which mm. is a, an area where uh, you don't have uh, the control of the Damascus government, where you have different entities. You even have a presence of Turkish army in some areas. So um, these are geographically and politically speaking, very interesting parts of the world. And um, and indeed, these are also areas where uh, the humanity has always been present. So, um, what do you mean? I mean, uh, so, the, the, because this is the the um, here you have one of the oldest sites, you know, man-made sites in the world. You have a temple that is eleven thousand years old. Mm. You had the Romans, you had the Greeks, you had big civilizations. Um, so th- these are areas that are culturally important, like full of, of history. Um, and just, um, yeah, the, the, and seeing that the, that the nature has done what it, what it has done, like destroying uh destroying what has been here since so many years. It's um it's very sad. It's um it's an area that has already suffered a lot. So um you know, again, politically speaking, there there has been so much going on here. Um so yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll feel attached to the to this place. Um, to the people, <laughs> um, yeah, this happened just uh, pretty much at the beginning of my uh, of my mission here. Uh, yeah, gonna I'm gonna stay. <laughs> Do you think it brought you closer to the people, to colleagues, maybe or friends? I don't know. Facing this together. Um, Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I personally work a lot with Syrians, mm. um, so it has been heartbreaking to see basically people that have already been obliged to leave their countries to flee to flee their countries because of the war, um, being re-traumatized for this. That has been outbreaking because honestly, you should not be, you should not be leaving your, your, you should not be forced to leave your country in the first place. Um, then you find the refuge in another country. Okay. Mm. And now you're not safe here again. Um, so that broke my heart. Um, I know colleagues that, um, that really are, are, getting re-traumatized because of this. And um, I feel really, I feel really, really sorry for that. And in your work, for example, with, uh, you work on a specific, me- I mean, I, I don't know what you're doing now, but I, use, I remember you used to work on specific issues of, uh, for example, gender-based mm. violence or uh, reproductive yeah. rights. 
So how is that being affected? So, yeah, I, I work on, on gender-based violence-related um, um, dynamics. And, um, yeah, that, that what, we, what we are understanding uh, in terms of needs um, that have been created by the earthquake, um, that basically these are areas where risk of gender-based violence were already existing. Um, and now what you have with this crisis is basically plenty of families moving massively into new camps. Um, they have lost their houses. They have lost their uh, temporary shelters. They were already temporary. And now they are massively moving to these newly established temporary centers. And that's where um, women and girls are further exposed to risk of gender-based violence, harassment. And the uh, camps are not prepared to host all these people. So you have overcrowded sites. You have no privacy. You have no separation in the toilets. You know, and then, mm. um, and then, um, I mean, wh what I'm trying to say is that you're, you know, to see that you were already starting from a precarious situation, mm. uh, from conditions that were exposing uh, women to, to the risk of violence. And what you have in events of crisis is a, an, an exacerbated risk of that. Mm. Um, so indeed, what we have to be ready for in the next month is really to mitigate that risk. Um, what does it mean? Well, how can you do that? It means It means working on preventing sexual exploitation and abuse. It means making sure that the shelters, the tents where these people are going to, to be accommodated, uh, preserve the dignity of women and girls. It means even, you know, even basic things, like think about a, um, a woman or a girl um, being on her period during this moment of crisis and then mm. uh, being all of a sudden in a, in a tent and uh, you don't have your sanitary pads, you don't have the basic uh, hygiene mm. um, supplies. Um, all this became, becomes crucial for your dignity uh, mm. in, a, in a surprises. So making sure that uh, women and girls have access to this dignity items, um, hygiene products, and and as well um, and as well for for pregnant women, uh, imagine all the women that were pregnant during the earthquake or are still pregnant. Mm. Health facilities have been affected by the earthquake. Where are these people going to deliver? Um, also, another thing that is happening is that because of the stress and the trauma, um, you see uh, sometimes miscarriages, or you see. Um, uh, premature, uh, premature deliveries. So all these affects, affects, uh, in a way, um, or another women and girls, right? And, um, in a moment of crisis, we have all of these dimensions. So, um, for me specifically focusing on this dimension, uh, these are the areas of attention. Um, but then there is a lot, a lot going on. Um, I mean, uh, still people need, um, still people need a cover, blanket, it's still very cold, or accessing food, accessing 
clean water, and I'm talking about nauseous speed because this is the context where I work. Um, so Turkey is different, and um, uh, and I know that the, the response is is moving um, is moving quite that quite well overall. Um, but I'm talking about nauseous speed, which is the context that is um, complicated, where pre-existing needs are basically getting um, are. Are, um, are getting worse and then mm. with, the, with the earthquake. Yeah. Um, do you, during this experience, right? I mean, like, did you, have you ever reached a, like a near your breaking point in, in the first seven days or 10 days, you know, like this is too much. I mean, like, have you ever come to that? You now when all this chaos and uncertainties and then the, you know, with encountering people with trauma and, seeing the images and the aftershocks after that and yeah so um okay in in the first seven days i i had i think on day four i had a bit of a a bit of a down uh more related to my to my presence in the in the place i was really so confused about what was going on other direction to take, um, and I was starting getting getting a bit tired, <laughs> getting a bit tired of the uncomfortness um, and uh, the fact that everything was just evolving constantly, and um, we didn't know where we were gonna go to sleep on that night, where we were gonna go tomorrow, what was gonna happen. So I had a moment of, of frustration. Um, but overall, overall, uh, um, I can say this happened in a moment of my life that I have enough tools around me to kind of, um, take care of myself and even, even in situation of distress. Um, so I didn't break down, um, but I, indeed I had moments of frustration. Um, for me, what was important, and I put that in place from day one, was having a basic routine of, you know, taking care of myself. I was very careful about the amount of, of water and food uh, that mm. I was taking during the day. So I was really careful in drinking enough water and getting some amount of food because it was not organized. It was whatever would come. Um taking care of my personal hygiene, even though it was very cold and that was all the cold water, um, and taking care of not getting sick. Mm. <laughs> that was another thing. I really didn't want to get sick in that, in that moment. Um, so, uh, I mean, that, that's how I personally reacted. Um, I would say uh, I did well overall. <laughs> Um, but my, my, the only thing that I, um, that I, uh, let's say allowed myself mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that, I, that is not a healthy habit. Um, so I was smoking cigarettes, but I'm a social smoker. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I guess I just did that from time to time, right? Uh, but during the first week, I had my pocket, my pocket of cigarettes. I was going out to smoke. That's when, that was when I would meet up, meet outside with some other random people and talk and just get to know. And everyone was smoking. 
<laughs> I mean, so it was it was easier to find cigarettes than food, basically. But no, yeah, no, but at some point, but the cigarettes also started started. Uh, I mean, uh, the shops started running out. But uh, it was a social moment. Mm. It was the moment that you got out, and then you start asking, ah, "How are you? How is your family? How do you feel?" Just like that, we talk. Um, just things like that. And then you're just present at yourself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Smoking that cigarette and then, uh, and then going back to the rest. And mm-hmm. that, that really was the break. Um, and then, um, that was my, my bad habit. <laughs> say. Yeah, it was uh, an excuse to. Yeah. Get on the balcony to, to, to breathe uh, yeah. instead of constantly being on the yeah. dance floor and uh, doing something helpful, let's say, useful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, so there was this, the, the cleaning lady that found temporary shelter in, this, uh, in the caravan in our, uh, in our parking lot. She also is a smoker, so she, but she doesn't speak, she doesn't speak English. Okay. Um, but she would always invite me to go out and smoke. So, so you were using like signals to. Yes. Yes. Uh, she was very kind. Like she was offering me the, she was telling me to go out. Like she, you know, she's like a daddy. Like she invited me to go. To go out because she knew I needed a cigarette. So she maybe she wanted company. Mm. Um, she was, I mean, I don't, I don't know um, where she went in the end, to be honest. Mm. Um, but for the first three or four days, she was there. Okay. Um, and so she was there with her kids living in, in that place. We were moving, uh, we were moving, but she was always there. So um, at one point she was just taking the food, preparing the, like we, we were working from uh, from there, and she would prepare the sandwiches for everyone, taking care of us, and like like if we were her uh, her daughter. So she she was super super nice, and I think that helped her in a way. Like she was she was also feeling um, uh, helpful in all this mm. because otherwise. Um, you just stay there and you look at the TV and you see all these horrible uh, images. And, and it was like, like, so for the first days, everywhere, like anywhere, um, a television was on, they were showing images of the earthquake. And that's, uh, that's heartbreaking. That's a lot. Um, so you have devastation everywhere. Um, and I think for many people, um, going and uh, helping, volunteering was a, was a way to, uh, to definitely, to, 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 to react, um, to, to, to react to the, to the, to the situation, to feel useful, uh, and not to, you know, fall into desperation, uh, and depression. She was attending to your basic needs with sandwich and cigarettes. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Oh. Exactly. How did 
uh, in that first initial days, you know, how 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 did li- I mean like life look like? You know, did, did people, you know, because children didn't go to school, right? School stops, right? People people didn't go to work, and then what do people do? I mean, like, you know, how do, how did it feel? Not- so this became a ghost town. So mm-hmm. everywhere, so all the buildings were shut down. So no gas, no nothing. So anyways, mm-hmm. you couldn't stay inside. You didn't feel safe inside. So everyone was outside. You had plenty of cars parked in the, in anywhere in the streets, especially in the, in the parks. Um, and then so many people strolling around in their blankets, like mm. walking around, just walking around with whatever they have for the night or to cover themselves. And I swear those days were so cold. I think from the day two, it went minus six. It was so uh-huh. cold. It was, uh, the, the, there was ice on the, on the street. It was even dangerous to walk. Um, so you would see just people strolling around like this. There were, um, long queues out of the few places that were cooking, um, hot food, serving hot food. Uh, those who could left, um, but, uh, some people didn't. Some people, I mean, some people didn't want to leave their apartment on, on, you know, abandoned because, you know, it's in these situations that maybe someone can enter and take your things. Um, so, the city, the city really changed, of course, and uh, and I'm so happy now. Uh, things are getting back to normal. So there are tents, there are people sleeping outside. Uh, there are people that don't feel safe to go back to their apartments, even the apartments have been cleared. Uh, they just are they're just scared to go to go back to to those places that maybe remember or remind them of, of what happened. Um, but then majority of people are, are, are back and shops are open. So compared to the, to the, to the first week, uh, looks like a normal city. <laughs> good. Good that people want to go back to, to that, to normality maybe. So, like, the schools are back now? I mean, the children go back to school? Or is it still closed? They closed the schools for uh, for some time. Um, I mean, Gaziantep is a situation, okay, like, Gaziantep is a, is a city that is okay, but you move outside of Gaziantep, it, the situation is bad. And so, um... um somewhere else is... Um, it's not normal and um, it's an emergency situation it's going to be for, for, for a couple of, uh, of months mm. uh, it has been declared in a state of emergency mm. um, in several provinces of the south of Turkey so it's exception it's all an, an exceptional um, condition um, there are very long queues outside of the ATM there is Maybe some shortage of this and that. Um, it's not 100% normal. But um, did the things like basic 
infrastructure like you know electricity and water and gas did it ever stop during the period or just, they were pretty resilient at this in just time like internet was still on and communication so surprisingly internet was okay mm-hmm. like um i mean um gas was shut down for safety reasons um so yeah no hot water no heating system but um electricity was going um internet like uh we even got some extra extra giga from uh, from Turkcell from the company uh um, <laughs> <laughs> the emergency um so uh, that was very important yeah um we and the, the people you you work with the the people that had to escape to the camps do they have internet phones and their phones but of course when you go to the camp there are a few places where you can charge mm. uh, and then it depends on the on depends on the camp so for the first uh, as well for the first 24 hours i, I mean Um, okay, now the earthquake happened at four in the morning and mm. until 6 p.m. We didn't know the day after. We didn't know where we were going to go and sleep. Okay. So for sure you can go and sleep in your car, but if you don't want to go and sleep in your car or you want to stay in the proximity of, of, of facilities, um, they need to tell you where to go. So you expect a direction. Um, this is the camp where you can go. There's a school is going to be open but um, still nothing had been assessed mm. so there, there was no clear direction then um, a camp was set up by, by IOM and that's where we spent the, the first night and that was incredible so uh, they set up tents so so quickly um, and uh, they had some some like water and dry food so uh they set it things pretty well and pretty quickly um so a lot of people found refuge there and they spent a lot of time there uh for me and my colleague we personally spent just one night sleeping in the car and then we moved somewhere else uh we, because this place was quite far from the city um was like 40 minutes away mm. um a very big area a warehouse area um so that was very good for family i'd say um but it was also overcrowded mm. and and no access to electricity which we needed to be connected constantly be connected with our laptops and <laughs> to work Um, so that's why we didn't stay there in the end. How do you stay warm if you sleep in the car, like in the winter, you know, like it's minus six inside? Uh, so, okay, we, we had the, the, we had blankets. Um, I went back home. Um, um, I took, so, well, one thing, one of the first things that I did, I didn't mm. say that. Was I went back to the apartment and I took my documents <laughs> because I because I was like, oh, 
I need my passport. I need my passport. <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's actually good. I mean, you should always have this. Uh, like, you, I I still have my grab bag with me, like with the documents and everything that I need, just in case uh, anything happens. Uh, but eventually, I didn't really need it in that moment. Like, <laughs> but anyways, um, so I when I went back to the for the apartment later on during the day, I took the things for them for, for, to stay out for uh, for some days. So I I took change of clothes and I took uh, also blankets and mm. uh, um, and I basically we loaded the car with these things. And ready to leave in the car, um, and and then you know we would turn on and off the the heating system continuously um, throughout the night uh, and sleep in it. We were in three, we were three in the car. Overall, it was not so bad. Um, I personally I wouldn't have slept anywhere else. I mean. Um, I mean, I would have never slept in the in my apartment. I know people that who went back to sleep in their apartment on like immediately after. Like, immediately after, like that night. Um, I was okay with sleeping in the car. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, why did you take your doc your documents like your passport? You mean why why did you yeah. why was that the first thing to rescue? But look, um, because I know actually, so if really, if your house um, gets destroyed, mm. and this is what happens to a lot of people, you lose, you leave your documents there. You basically, you might lose, you might lose access to so many things. Okay. So for a lot of people in North West Syria, they, left their personal documents in the houses and the, the houses were destroyed and, mm. um, and they don't have a scanned copy or a digital copy of their marriage certificate, birth certificate, um, land property. All of these documents become crucial once you basically lose your apartment, once you want to ask for relocation, etc. So, um, in my case, um, I have pretty much everything stored in the cloud uh, mm. on my drive, so I don't really need the hard copy or something. But um, I would say it's maybe something for from uh, <laughs> my heavy background. You know, you need to have the, you know, you have that bag with your documents. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your safe? bag like your escape bag let's say apart from the id what do you have inside so money and some cash Mm -hmm. some cash and uh the water like one liter of water some dry food uh, change of clothes and i wear contact lenses so i I have the you know the, the the liquid for the contact lenses i have an extra pair of glasses so that's there like i can pretty much survive with the things um, yeah, if you have medicines, you should like if you take medicines, you should take the medicines. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, so in this kind of catastrophe, we understand the value of uh, bureaucracy and documentation. <laughs> no, but and, and uh, honestly, so 
you enter in a survival mood um, such that you actually think, okay, now, like the first for the first night that I that I that I started sleeping back in my in my apartment, I I thought, okay, so if it's gonna shake again and then the roof falls on me. Uh, then I have to sit in this part of the room, which is better. And then I want my bed to be next to me because then that's where I can have water. And um, and if I can survive under the in the under the rubble, I have access to water and uh, some food until they come and rescue me. Um, and uh, yeah, this is this is what you start thinking. Okay, like how to survive um, for a long time under the rubble. And uh, you hear about so many stories. Um, I I have a friend who worked on the, um, the rescue operation in a, in a Hatai. Mm. And um, uh, because I was, I was very curious because I would see that for the videos. And I told him, look, I see these people are being pulled out of the rubble. And then there, are, there is so much crowd around and everyone is shouting. You have all these guys with the smartphones taking videos of these survivors being rescued. Um, and I was like, isn't that even more shocking for a person? And I'm, I mean, they're already under shock. And then they're being pulled out and there's all this noise. And then, and then I was asking, is it noisy all the time? Like, how can they hear if somebody's seeking for help because mm. they're going to shout, like, come and rescue me. But if you start having so many people around, how can you hear them? And then he told me that, um, he said, every half an hour or like that, there is, um, they start asking everyone to shut up and Everything is shut down. All the generators, anything that they, that can make noise, it's shut down. Mm. And then they start listening, and they have these instruments to listen, like, um, like the, the, under the, the, um, I mean, in the in the in the, the rubble, and uh, and that that's how they hear if there is a leading person. The, the, person there um, and then they start then they start doing this operation which is super delicate mm. yeah we saw those videos online yeah did uh, the Jacente become a center for the rescue team do they arrive in Jacente and go somewhere else or they just like passed by the directly mm. to no no a lot of a lot of Teams, uh, organizations arrived here, um, but uh, not as many as in the most affected sites, right? In Ahatai, Adiman, other other towns that have been heavily affected. That's where they had this all these rescue teams from all over the world coming and helping. But uh, yeah, in Gaziantep, um, for example, I spent. Among all the different places where I, where, I, where I was accommodated, I spent some nights in a hotel, and there were um, there were these guys. They had um, so they they were from the U.S. 
and they were full of tattoos. They had so many muscles. And then they were wearing T-shirts written "Fear Rescue." So um, I, I don't know how that works, but I, I do know that there was a huge need of fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I mean, to, to, to run facilities for the rescue operation. So, um, I believe there is really an organization that does that. I don't know how concretely this happens, but yeah, so that there were all these guys <laughs> and this hotel didn't have time to talk. Um, everyone was super busy. Um, I mean, everyone was just living in the group. Having base, like being based in Gaziantep and then moving in the, in the surrounding areas during, during the day. Um, so that's, uh, that's how Gaziantep still is. It's a, it's a base. Uh, from here you, you, you leave for the operation and then you come back. Do you travel a lot during your day? Uh, not really because I, I work for the North, uh, North Syria operation. Uh, but I did, I, I went to the border. Um, that's from, from there we send, um, humanitarian aid, the trucks. Um, so I, I went there. I wish that I got to North Syria. It's a little bit complicated. Um, but I, yeah, I wish I could get there soon. And now that you said that the situation is a bit more quiet, maybe, or trying to go back slowly to normality. What is your, your escape, your, uh, I don't know. How do you keep saying, okay, the worst days mm. was, uh, cigarettes. Cigar- <laughs> what, what is it now? What do you do? You know? <laughs> your coping mechanism. <laughs> My coping mechanism. Um, I mean, I'm trying to keep a balanced, uh, a balanced life. I'm, uh but we're, we're working a lot so that's that's not easy um but um i mean i i try to have my healthy food i try to mm-hmm. have a normal sleeping routine good um and what what you know what what um what is difficult is uh, the social life because anything um Anything you're gonna do, you're gonna end up talking about about the earthquake and what is going on. Uh, so that that's a bit uh, a bit challenging. But um, for example, last week um, uh, last weekend, I I got to see people that I didn't see from I hadn't seen from before since before the earthquake, mm. and that was uh, and that was nice. It's almost it seems almost like normality but then you're you're just around the table and you look at each other you look see so many tired faces people that really didn't have a break since since all this happened and they're just very tired and they've witnessed a lot and they're working too much mm. um so you can really tell something happened um but still, I think it's important to, like, you, like, working at a, at the personal level, trying to do what, whatever you can to make you, to make you feel good. Um, it's not easy for everyone. I mean, um, people have reacted to this in many different ways. Um, and everyone has the right to react in whatever they want. I don't judge. Um, but really, like, some people decided to, 
stale jobs. Mm. So people that are um, um, even the responsible positions, you know, like um, that should be, for example, active in the response right now, humanitarians. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just decided to quit. Um, maybe they lost family members. Maybe they were under shock. They didn't cope with the, with the stress. Um, some of the people are just putting themselves too much into their work. Mm. Uh, and not taking care of their well-being. Um, and this is a little bit what makes me, uh, sometimes what makes me really doubt about how healthy this humanitarian world is overall. I have to admit a lot of, um, a lot of, um, let's say, mental health support has been offered from organizations since That's good. day one. Um, under different ways, at least three different staff counselors and psychosocial support and this and that. We even did a group, group session as, as team mm-hmm. for what happened. Um, so there, the offers are there. Uh, but then I think for these things, uh, it's really on the personal level. It's really how you really want to deal with the, with the, with this, how you really want to, if you're afraid you're not to 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 make that step and uh, and work on your well-being. Mm. Can I ask maybe if there is an episode that I don't know to close on a maybe positive note, something that mm. brought you hope, that made you smile. I don't know, like you told us about the lady you were sharing the breaks with. Or anything that's still, but okay, you, you've been in emergency for a while, you've been through this uh, shock in experience, but something that, yeah, grows your smile or brings you, moves you forward. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it might sound a bit, um, uh, maybe a bit uh, straightforward, but uh, I mean, we survived something, something, something huge. Um, and um, I mean, that this, this is something that has definitely changed my life, that is gonna stay there, um, that I will process with time. Um, but uh, this event also um, made me closer to some people, made me understand um, how many people care about me. Uh, <laughs> so many friends you know, that I was not talking to since a long time wrote to me, and that was super, super nice. Mm. And I felt, um, and again, for me, because I'm, I'm always a happy and curious about observing people uh, and people's reaction. It was an opportunity to see how um, people out there uh, would also react to this and uh, how they would express affection and love. And mm. um, and I really appreciated, um, like, um, in the end, um, no one really came and told me, oh my God, you're crazy. Why are you still there? Why you didn't leave? What are you doing? Run away. Mm. Um, 
so I really appreciated that people didn't kind of pressure me and told me, you're crazy, why are you putting yourself in danger? Stay away from the earthquake zone, run away. Mm. Um, I liked that. I liked that some people were just dropping a message and saying, hey, um, you don't have to answer. Just want to tell you that I'm thinking of you. Um, I know you're super busy. I hope you're doing well. Just this, you know? Um, like you guys were super nice because, um, you were basically coordinating what you're yeah. down. Just one of us is gonna check on you. So you have less people <laughs> asking you questions. And that was really, really good. I really appreciate that, guys. So much because um it made like so many messages, so many things and um you really feel and know that people are worried and that's that's genuine. Mm. Uh but also that at the same time um it means telling to the people again and again maybe the same story or uh even finding the time to reply. It's 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 hard. And, um, so, uh, so yeah. Dodi and I also had a coordinated response to you. (laughs) (laughs) We have a back channel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Nice. Knowing that people, people care and think about you. Just a thought. It's, uh. It's reassuring and warming. Mm, uh, Really, that was super, super nice. Um, Former colleagues and people I was not talking to. Really, really, really nice. Um, um, Yeah. If, if we should, you know, talk again, you know, like have this conversation, you know, in a few months or down the line (laughs) in the year, you know, just to see how how things change and how do you mm-hmm. see this back, right? Because this is your first month. It's pretty much like the time capsule you know, to capture mm. this moment. Constantly evolving, yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I don't realize, I don't think realize it has been almost one month. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, to me, it was, so it was, so yesterday was, the day before the earthquake happened. So what was in between is a completely <laughs> a separate, a separate uh, thing. So it's there somewhere in its own time zone. Grazie. <laughs> Thank you, Fra. Thank you for going through all of this together again with us. I know it's not easy, Thank but you guys. it was very, I don't know. I think it it was a, more, a personal story of what happened. And yeah, it's, thank you for all the work you're doing. Thank you guys for listening and for being close to me in those days. And even now, I really appreciate it. That was the end of the episode. Again, thanks to Francesca for a really moving and heartwarming conversation. And I would like to mention also big thanks to Dodi, Peter, and Tarek for having me as a co-host. 
As I mentioned at the beginning, please do check out also the conversation with Ina, who connects with Cairo Calling from Gaziantep as well, but sharing a quite different perspective. Bye for now.